We've been in this series of messages called That's a Great Question. And we know that we live in a world right now where there is so much skepticism about God, whether there is a God, and if there is a God, what is God like, or should we uh, believe in God or trust in God? There's so many things that people are dealing with related to their spirituality. And in this series, we've been looking at a lot of those reasons why people are so skeptical to try to provide some answers of what people are asking questions about. Today's message is meant to be a message of encouragement, and the reason why I say that is because what we're talking about today isn't usually very encouraging. It sounds very discouraging because we're learning about suffering, and suffering is something that isn't really seen very highly upon by many people. In fact, many people choose not to believe in God because of the existence of suffering in our world. I mean, think about it. Why should I believe in a God who would allow suffering? I mean, that's the question. And people go even further beyond that and say, why should I believe in a God who would allow good people to go through suffering? I mean, why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever heard that question before, my brothers and sisters, right? We hear that question all the time. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's a great question. It really is a great question. And what happens is, is people take that and make it an issue and say that because there is suffering in the world, then there must not be a God. Because those two don't seem like they could both exist. Really, that is the beginning point for us today. Because we have to determine, is it possible for suffering and God to both be in existence. We're going to write it down this way. Number one on your outline sheet says this. We must determine if God and suffering can coexist. I shared with you a quote a few weeks ago uh, talking about another topic from a guy named Epicurus who was the Greek philosopher who had a lot of questions about God. And he especially connected this issue of suffering with God and he wanted to figure out or determine if suffering could actually be in the same place as God because we know that much suffering comes from a certain place, that much suffering comes from evil. So because evil causes suffering, can there really be a good God who would allow this in our world? That's really a great question. In fact, we can pose that question in a simple way. Let's write it down on our sheet. Would a good God allow suffering? That really is the basis of what he was bringing out. And I want to share with you his quote that talks about this. This is what Epicurus wrote. If God is willing to prevent evil, but is not able, then he's not all powerful. If he is able to prevent evil, but not willing, He is not good. But if he is both willing and able, how can evil exist? And if he is neither able nor willing, then why call him God? Y'all, that's a great question, is it not? That is a great question. And what he logically comes to the conclusion of through this is there is no God because there is suffering and evil in the world. There is a problem with this. And the problem is, 
is it makes the assumption that no good can come from suffering. Well, that's a big assumption. Because can there be good that actually comes from suffering? Well, the answer to that question is, well, yes, there is good that can come from suffering. In fact, we can write this statement down on our sheet. It says this, we know that suffering can be good if there are positive results from it that make us stronger or better, or it helps us know the difference between right and wrong. So Epicurus is making the assumption that no good can come from suffering, but we know that good can come from suffering, which means this, there can be a good God and suffering, and both coexist if God is using suffering for something good. Doesn't it make sense? I mean, when you logically think of it in that way, yes, we all know that suffering can bring positive results, that it can make a positive difference, so they can coexist. There are really two issues that he brings out in this. One is the whole idea about God being good and suffering being in existence. The other is about evil. You see, one of the purposes that God has for us in wanting to do good is that we know the difference between what is right and wrong. And that is a good thing for us to know the difference between what is right and wrong, what is good and what is harmful for people. And this gets back to what Epicurus said because he brought up the whole idea of evil, and evil is, is wrong. So then the question becomes, well, where does evil come from? Who does evil? Well, that's a great question too. Let's look at what evil is. On your outline, evil is to bring harm on, an, on, on others for a selfish purpose. So I'm bringing harm on someone else, and I'm doing it because I'm benefiting from this, and I'm causing someone pain or heartache or whatever because of this. Y'all, that's evil. Now, let's put this idea together with a good God. Well, if he's a good God, y'all just stay with me here, okay? If he's a good God, he can't do evil. If he's a good God... So God doesn't do things to harm us for some selfish, self-centered purpose, for his enjoyment or whatever. He's a good God. Any suffering that God would allow, he does it for a good benefit to be helpful for someone else, not to be harmful toward someone else. There's a big difference. Well, then that causes us to ask another question. Well, if evil then doesn't come from God then who is it that's doing evil? Y'all, that's a great question, isn't it? Who is doing evil? Well, I want you to think about this because let's think about God. God has the free choice of making any decision that God wants to make. And we believe that God is good and makes good choices, right? God is free to make any choice that he chooses to make. We also know that God is not the only one who makes choices. People make choices. So is it possible that God created humanity in his own image with the same ability to make free choices? Is it possible? So 
Is it possible that God created humanity in his image with the same ability to be free to choose what we would choose? Well, the answer to that question is, well, absolutely, yes, he could do that. He could create us with free choice, and we believe we do have free choice because we all know we're free to choose whatever we want to do. But here's the issue with free choice. When we choose something, there are consequences to our choices. Let's write that down. Doesn't that sound like fun? Let's write down the statement. We have free choice, and our decisions have consequences. They can be good consequences if we do something good that is helpful toward other people. Good brings help. Or they could be evil consequences because we do what we do not to be helpful, but to harm other people. You see the difference. But who made the choice? God didn't make the choice. We made the choice. We chose to do something evil. So therefore, God's not the one who causes suffering from evil. Humanity is the one who causes suffering from evil. So now it's not God's fault at all. Well, what does that mean then? What that does is it causes us to look at this in a completely different way. The argument is totally different now. The argument is not, can a good God and suffering coexist? Now the argument is whether or not we agree with what God did when he created us with free choice. I mean, we could say, well, he just shouldn't have created us with free choice and we wouldn't have all these problems in the world. Well, yeah. I mean, if we didn't have free choice, that's absolutely true, but why would he create us, though? What's the purpose of creating us? Is it to create us to be robots, to do whatever he wants us to do, or did he create us for a different reason? We know we all have free choice. And we know that because we have free choice, we actually even see the character of God in his creating us with free choice. We see it all the way back in the book of Genesis. We read about uh, this, this choice that they had about what they eat. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Y'all, this is an awesome statement. We're getting back to the whole idea of God creating us with free choice. And whether this is a good thing or not, he created us with the ability to say, yes, I'm going to eat from it, or no, I'm not going to eat it. Y'all, this shows the goodness of God. You're probably thinking, why does it show that God is good? Let me tell you why. Y'all, this is awesome. He warned them. He told them, if you eat from this, you're going to die. It would have been a terrible thing if God would just not warned them at all, just like, Eat whatever you want to, and boom, they're dead. I'd say that's pretty evil. But that's not what he did. He warned them about their behavior, telling them, if you do this, it has negative consequences, and you will die. He told them the truth and did the right thing, which was good. The problem was they believed a lie that was told to them by the snake, Satan, who said to the woman, Eve, you will not surely die. Yo, that was a lie straight from the pit of hell, right? That's where it was from. It was a lie. And she believed something that was not right and not true. I Think about the reasoning in which 
why God said what he said and Satan said what he said. God said what he said to protect Adam and Eve and to make sure they were well and healthy. He did it out of love and concern for them. Satan did it because he wanted to destroy them. He wanted to hurt them. So the character of God is seen in his goodness that he would want the best for them, to want them to make good and right decisions. But should we be allowed to make these good decisions? Should we, be, we have been created with this free choice? Well, think about, again, why God created us. God created us not for us to be robots. God created us to have a relationship with us. God created us to have a connection with us that we would choose to love each other, not to be made to love each other. I mean, think about it. He could have programmed us to do everything that he wanted us to do without any ability to make any choices on our own. That's not a relationship. You know what that's called? Control. That's not a relationship. That's my control over something else. Relationship requires two people making their own decisions about whether or not they care about the other person. That's what relationship is. Y'all, this is so sweet to me because God is at it again. Not only did he create us in his image with the ability to have free choice, but God created us in his image with the desire to have a relationship with other people. God himself is the vision of relationship. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Spirit. He himself is in relationship, and he created us so that we would have a relationship with him, that we would choose to love him like he loves us. That's why we need free choice. That's why we need the ability to be able to choose so that we can experience true joy in our life that comes from love. That's why he created us the way he did. But there's a consequence when we don't choose to love like God loves. And that's the evil that comes into the world. And that evil teaches us the difference between what is right and wrong. You know, Adam and Eve even figured it out themselves. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. What they believed was from Satan that if I eat of this fruit, I'm going to be happy because it's good to the eyes. It's good for eating. Basically, it's good for pleasure. They believed that life was about pleasure and about comfort. So they totally turned away from the whole God loves me and wants to protect me and wants the best for me to I want to experience pleasure and I want to experience comfort in my life. That's what I want. That's what's most important and that's what's going to make me happy. And when they ate it, they had remorse for what they did. They didn't have what it was that they were looking for because those things don't provide fulfillment for us. It's love that gives us joy that we're looking for. So Satan is busy trying to convince us that we can live for all these other things that lead us to do selfish, harmful things to other people and harmful, selfish things even to our own bodies and things that we do to try to find something that we cannot grasp through those things because they only come in one way. Y'all, this is sweet. Through choosing to love God like God loves us. 
that's what our life is supposed to be about. But everything gets messed up. Why is it about love? Because that's who God is. Look at number two on your outline sheet. This is a second very important thing we need to know if we're going to understand suffering. We must know the motivation behind all that God allows and does. Everything that he does comes from this. Where do we read this? We read it in 1 John chapter 4. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Then the next few verses talk about how he proved his love to us. It talks about how he sent Jesus to the earth. And how Jesus gave his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It talks about all of that in the next few verses. And after he explains, this is how much I love you, that I would give Jesus uh, uh, for you. Then we read these words. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Why do we do that? Because he's proven that he loves us through Jesus. That God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So what God wants us to know is that he loves us and we see how it is that we're supposed to be if we love like God loves. We become like Jesus. So what do we learn from this? On your outline sheet, fill in this statement that God's motivation is love. God does what he does because he loves us. Y'all, it does not make sense that God would do things for his own enjoyment to bring pain and hurt and harm to people just for the sake of doing it. It doesn't make sense that he would do that because he gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins For the very things that we do wrong, he gave up what was most precious to him to prove his love to us. It doesn't make sense that he would do something deliberately to cause us pain that he knows would push us away. Everything that God does, he does not to push us away, but to draw us to himself. Did y'all hear that? He would never do anything to bring hurt or pain just for the sake of it, to cause it for us for his own enjoyment. It just doesn't make sense with his heart of goodness because he was willing to give his son the most valuable thing that he had for our benefit. Y'all, that is love, which means this. Let's write it down. Everything, everything God does or allows comes from his love for us. As a father loves his child, so what does he want for his child? This is what he wants from us. He wants us to have joy. Let's write that down. He wants us to have joy, and joy comes from knowing we are loved. I have joy when I know I am loved. I am miserable when I don't feel loved. When I don't feel like anybody cares about me, and I feel like no one is concerned about me, I lose any sense of joy. But the moment I feel someone cares about me, I feel joy in my life because joy comes from knowing that we're loved. Not only does he want us to have this joy and to know that we're loved, but he wants us to have purpose. Let's write that down. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to be in a relationship with him. 
a loving relationship with him, but it's for us to lead other people as well, to be in that same loving relationship with God, for us to help other people see that God loves them by us doing things to draw people to God and not to push people away from God. Y'all, that is huge right there, what I just said. Everything that God does, he does to draw us to him, not to push us uh, away from him. And it's the same thing for us. Everything we do should be done to draw people to God and not to push people away from him. You, don't wanna, you wanna know how to push people away from God? Cause pain and suffering in somebody else's life because of your self-centered heart. That's where it comes from. God wants us to fulfill our purpose. What else does he want? He wants us to live up to our potential. Our potential is to be like Jesus. That's what it said in the scriptures, that we're to be like him. And we're like Jesus when we serve those people who are in need, when we see those people who are in need, and we give up of ourselves for the good of someone else. Y'all want you to hear this, which means I might sacrifice for someone else. Oh, my soul. What does that mean? That means I might go through suffering, choose to go through suffering myself, to give up something or experience something that's hard for my ability to prove to somebody else that, lo that God loves them, that I love them, that I'm willing to suffer for them. Y'all, suffering can be good, can it not be? So I'm willing to suffer, to live up to my potential. What else do we see? We need to be strong. God wants us to be strong. God wants us to, to stand in the face of the difficulties and pains that we go through in life. Jesus could have done this. Jesus had been around telling people that he's the son of man. He's the son of God. The people could have come to arrest him. And Jesus could have said, oh, I was just kidding. When I said I was the son of man... I didn't really mean that I'm the son of God, that he's my father. I don't really mean that. He could have said those things to get out of being crucified and being put to death for what he had been saying about his relationship with God. But he didn't do that. You know what he did? He told him exactly who he was. He never denied God. He never denied that God was his father. He never denied who he was as the Messiah. He never did that. Why is that? Because his relationship was more important than anything that could possibly happen to him because relationships are what get us through suffering. Is that not good? The reason why many people can't make it through suffering and hardships is because they don't have anybody there to help them deal with the hardships and sufferings that they're going through, that he becomes the source of my strength. Here's something else that God wants. He wants us to know the difference between what is right and wrong. Not only that there is a right and there's a wrong, but he wants us to know what happens when we do right and what happens when we do wrong so that we can learn and be better, that we can become better people. There's a name for becoming better people. It's called becoming mature. That's what parents want for their kids. They want them to grow and to become mature. And that's exactly what God wants for us. And one of the ways in which he helps us is through suffering. Let's write that down. That sounds like fun too. Our suffering is involved in our becoming mature. 
What does it look like when we are mature? Another great question. We've already heard the answer to that. When we are mature, we are like Jesus. We are mature when we are like him. We just read that scripture in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. We are mature when we are like Jesus. So what is Jesus like? Well, this is what Jesus is like. Jesus cares about people. He has thoughts. He approaches life in a certain way, and we should be just like him. What does that look like for us? On your sheet, let's write some of these things down, that we love like Jesus, that we would give of ourselves for the benefit of other people, that we would serve other people so that they know that they really are loved and cared for, that they can experience joy because they know that someone cares. That's what it looks like. Again, even if it requires our suffering. What else is Jesus like? Not only do we love like Jesus, but we keep going like Jesus. Jesus didn't stop and say, nope, never mind, I wasn't serious about God. He kept going and he relied on his relationship with God to get him through everything. And his relationship caused him to be strong through everything. So if I'm like Jesus, my relationship with God is the most important thing in my life. It is the fuel behind who I am. Who else is Jesus? We think like Jesus. Jesus thought about other people. He cared about other people, not wanting to hurt, but to help. But there's a second thing that Jesus thought about. Jesus thought about the future. Y'all, I'm loving this right now. Jesus realized this world stinks. This is not a good world. It is a broken world. There is pain. There is suffering. In the scriptures, it talks about, and there will be pain and suffering in this world. It's just a reality. He knew that this, what, what, that's what this world is like, but he also knew something else. There is another place a coming. There is another place that we look forward to, and that's why he continued to talk about eternal life. We've read it already when we learned about heaven in John chapter 3, verse 15, that everyone who believes may have, what are these next two words? Eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Heaven is a coming what does that mean to me? That means when I look at the suffering and the things that are happening in this world, it's just a reminder to me that this world is broken, but there is a place waiting for me that is not. And it's a place that I want to be. That's what Jesus was thinking about. He was thinking about the people who were broken, and he was thinking about the place where he wanted broken people to wind up. And that's how we become mature and become like Jesus. But how does it happen? Well, there's a process. Let's look at the process. He uses a process to build our maturity. And we read about this in the book of Romans. It's in Romans chapter 5 where Paul wrote this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. There's the word. Because we know that sufferings produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. That God produces maturity 
through this process. And where does the process begin? The process begins with sufferings. So what are suffering? Suffering is to experience pain, distress, disadvantage, disability, injury, illness, loss, or death. Y'all, those are really discouraging-looking things. Unless they're used for good. Unless those sufferings that I go through are helping to mature me to realize something. This is the first stage of spiritual maturity to become like Jesus. Do not miss it. Here, it's really it's a simple statement, but it's hard to live out. Here's the first stage. I cannot do life alone. God allows suffering, pain, these things to happen in my life to help me see I can't deal with these things alone. I need relationship. I need relationship, and I need a relationship with God who is more powerful than all things. So God is teaching me this first stage in my suffering. I need help. I can't do life alone. In fact, it might be that some of the things that you're going through in your life right now are saying that to you. You're going through hardship, and you've been trying to figure it out alone all this time when God keeps trying to help you see you don't have to face these things alone. I am big enough for all things. Y'all, that's good right there, is he not? He's big enough for these things to help us deal with these issues in life. When we know that he is with us, it causes us to persevere. Suffering leads to perseverance. In other words, to continue on in order to maintain a purpose in spite of difficulty, obstacles, or discouragement. It's to be steadfast. All of these obstacles, discouragements, these things that could be used as discouragements to us now become an encouragement to us. Why? Because we know that my purpose has not changed. I can persevere through these things, even though I'm going through pain. My purpose is still for people to know that God loves them and that they would have a relationship with God. No thing that happens to me changes my purpose. What can happen, though, are the things that happen to me elevate how valuable God is in my life to help them see more clearly what my purpose is. That illness will not slow me down. A loss of a job will not slow me down. The loss of a home will not slow me down. These things will not slow me down. My purpose still remains the same. Take it all away, and I still have a relationship with God. He is there, and he is with me. And you need him too, because when everything in the world fails and crumbles around you, what are you going to be holding on to? There's only one thing that matters, and that one thing lasts for an eternity. It's a relationship with God. Why do we persevere? We persevere because we're living out our purpose like Jesus did. Jesus' purpose this is the Son of Man. He called himself the Son of Man. Was, came to seek and to save the lost. Lost people are people who have not found joy. They're trying to find happiness through pleasure, through comfort, through fame, through power, through money, through whatever it is that they're trying to find it from. And they are lost because they haven't find, found joy. And where does joy come from? Knowing that we are loved. 
So my purpose continues to be the same, to help people know they're loved. It's all about love. Why is it all about love? Y'all, that is a great question. Because love is the foundation of character. Perseverance leads to character. Character is the, the features and traits that form the individual nature of some person or thing. A feature or trait is a characteristic. They determine our morals and ethics. There is one characteristic that determines all of our character. It's love. Whatever we love causes us to develop our morals and our ethics. My love for God would cause me to be whoever I am, or my love for something or for some offering of this world that I'm relying on to make me happy, my love for those things would cause me to make the decisions morally and ethically that I do to try to get whatever it is that I want. Love is the characteristic that determines your character. It is. So who do you love? Well, how do we know what we love? Well, we know our love because of our passions. We're thinking about it all the time. We're talking about it all the time. We know it because it becomes the power source of our life. Whatever we love, we rely on to get us through difficult times. For some people who it's money, they rely on their money to get them through difficult times until the money runs out. Or they rely on something else, whatever it is, whatever it is we love. And then there's another thing. It's our performance. Whatever we love, we perform because of we do things for what we love. Here's how we know what the characteristic trait of love is in our life. Just look and see the decisions that you're making in your life to see what they say about who or what you love. Do your decisions. You know, this is so heavy. All this stuff is just so heavy to me today. It's just so heavy. Do your decisions say that you love other people and that you want them to know somebody cares about them? If so, you love God because God is love. And everyone who is in love with God loves as God loves. And that's what they do. But are you doing things to get things in your own life to try to make your life better. If you do, you're in love with yourself. And your moral equity completely changes. Now it's not about right and wrong. It's about doing what's best for me, no matter what. God wants us to know the difference between right and wrong in our character. There's one other thing that leads to our maturity. It all began with suffering, by the way. Suffering's a good thing. It leads us to experience hope. The feeling that what is wanted can be had or the events will turn out for the best. That I have hope that whatever I'm going through, God is going to use for a better benefit to help other people know that he exists and that he cares about them. That's what our hope is. But here's the other hope. The hope is I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to be in heaven one day. That's my maturity. The first stage of my maturity is I can't make it alone. The second stage of my maturity is there is another place that I'm going. And as long as I keep that in mind, I have hope for a future.
So what is it that God is trying to teach us? Through my suffering, what is he trying to teach me? That's a great question. Let's look at number four and let's answer that. The first service is going to absolutely freak out because I never made it this far in the first service. God uses suffering to teach us. So what does he teach us? First of all, basically, some of this is what we've learned already in this message. It's just saying it in different ways, and there's some new things too. I need to rely on him as I live my life. Maybe that's what God is teaching me. I've already talked about this. I've been trying to live life alone by myself. It's not working out. I have to rely on someone else to get me through life. That's what God's teaching me through my suffering and pain. I can't heal myself of cancer. I need help. I need the help and power of God or whatever it is that I'm going through. Here's a second teaching. I need to remember that this life is not all that there is. I just talked about this. That's the second stage, right? The second major stage of maturity in my life. Not only do I need help, but I know that there's another place that's coming. So is God allowing suffering in my life to remind me that my hope is in the future, that my hope is in heaven? In fact, God doesn't heal everyone on their deathbed, does he? There are some people who go through great crisis and difficulties in their life physically, and they die, and some of them at young ages. I remember years ago, uh, I had written the book that I had written on One Fry Short, which is about emotional problems. Um, I've talked about me being uh, bipolar and all of that. I deal with that in that book, and I talk about all these emotional issues, and I did a television interview at a Christian station up north, and it was um, amazing because I did the interview, and there was another lady who was there doing an interview, and it was a book written about her daughter. Her daughter was a teenager, and her daughter had cancer. And she went through treatment after treatment after treatment after treatment after treatment. And they just couldn't beat it. And toward the end of all this cancer, this young girl, teenage girl, had so much joy in her life because she realized, I know I've got cancer, and I know this may not seem fair, but this isn't all there is. There is another place that's coming. And I had done my interview. She had done her interview. The mom had done the interview. We got talking, and she started telling me the story. Y'all, I just, like, it just, I couldn't, I, it was so incredible talking to this mom about what her daughter had gone through and the hope that she had for eternity as a teenager who died. You say, this isn't fair. Y'all, she's spending extra time in heaven that we aren't. How's that sound? How good is it that we can have this in our life? Let's move on. See, it's things like this that keep me from finishing sermons. Let's go. I realize I am being obedient to God. Oh, I haven't talked about this yet. I am being obedient to God. There are times, well, I kind of talked about this. Yeah, I, I did this. Because when we do things to show love to other people, it might be that it requires our suffering. There's actually a word that is used that talks about this. It's called persecution. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is what it says. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here's the reality. It might be that I'm going through suffering because I'm being obedient to God, and my obedience is leading me to be persecuted. Y'all, that's a good thing, is it not? So my suffering is revealing and teaching me something about myself that I'm being obedient to God and I'm remaining strong and staying true. Let's look at another teaching. I am being prepared to serve those who are suffering. Haven't talked about this. It might be that God is allowing you to go through suffering because he's preparing you through the experience to be able to help people who go through the same thing. Where do I read this in the scripture? I love it. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort the, listen to this, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It might be that God's allowing you to go through these difficulties because he knows that he's going to bring people into your life who are going through the exact same thing and you are there to serve and help them get through it relying on God. So he might be preparing you for ministry in the future through your suffering. Y'all, that's good right there. What else? I need to change my self-centered behavior. It may be that I've made some really bad decisions. My morals and ethics are off because I am living for myself. I am the center of my own universe. I have done things to hurt other people for my self-centered benefit. I've been evil, y'all. That's what evil is. And God wants me to change. So what does God do? God allows pain and suffering in our life to wake us up, to make it through our calloused heart, to see the error of our ways, to get us to stop behaving the way we're behaving. He allows bad negative, con or I should say good negative consequences toward us to make a positive result to help us be different people. Why does he do that? Because that's what parents do. That's what the scripture says. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. It might be that you're going through suffering and pain right now because it's self-inflicted pain because of your behavior that's been self-centered. And God is allowing suffering as a consequence to penetrate your calloused heart for you to see the condition that you're in. There are a lot of different things that God might be saying to us through suffering today, isn't there? You know what? Oh, my soul. Are you ready? They're all good. Because God is a good God. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. What is God teaching you today about yourself? It might be that you're going through some pain, some obstacles, some trials. But what is he saying? Well, I want to encourage you today to just understand that God uses suffering to mature us, to develop us. But he also helps us see that suffering is there because there is evil in the world. 
that there are people who have done terrible things to terrible, that, that, that are hurtful to other people. I mean, we see it on the news, it seems like, almost every day. Why is it happening? Because they're created in the image of God with free choice. And they've listened to a lie. They've listened to a lie, believing that they can find happiness through things that they cannot find it through. It might be today that God's helping you see some things in your own life to teach you some things that you need to hear today, and I have no idea what it is. It might be that you're not a Christian. First thing is, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to prove how much he loves, to, loves us. He did it to draw us to him, not to push us away. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with God, to begin it today. We do it by confessing our sins and accepting what Jesus did on the cross for our punishment through his death and his resurrection. We want to help you have that relationship with God today. If you don't know him, we want to help you know him. Back in the back, to my right, to your left, there is a counseling area. It's our Journey Begins banner area. Some high tops. We have some of our counselors back there right now. We would love to help you make the most important decision you could ever make to give your life to Jesus. And maybe God's using some things in your life to help you see your need for him. It may be today that you're a Christian and you're going through some struggles and God's teaching you something very different. Maybe one of these other lessons. I want to encourage you to pray and talk to God about those things and to say to God, I'm listening and I hear you and teach me what I need to know so that I can be like Jesus. It might be that some of you are going through suffering and pain and you need prayer because we believe in the power of prayer. Some of our staff are down in front of the, work, of the stage uh, right next to me down here. They would love to pray with you right now. It might be you need prayer for healing. It might be that you have situations going in with relationships or with your job or some other thing that's happening that's it's hard and difficult, and you just need encouragement through prayer. We would love to pray for you today. I would encourage you to come up and just allow one of these, these people to pray for you today. Whatever it is that God's leading you to do, why don't you do it right now? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. God's leading you to come and pray. Do so. If he wants you to pray where you are, pray there. If you need to talk to someone about giving your life to Christ, head back to our area to talk to them. We would love to encourage you right now because we believe that God is good. So let's pray. Still he reigns on his throne Though 
mountains may tremble and sea billows roll, I'll sing it is well with my soul, my God is still in control. You have not left God, we thank you that you are in control. And what a great promise from this song, just to hear it. There's nothing that we experience that is a surprise, catch you off guard. And you are there to prepare us for anything that comes our way. Because we know, God, we have a relationship with you that's strong enough to sustain any difficulty, any pain, any harm, any injury, any disability, anything that comes our way. God, we thank you that you are a God who is good in the midst of suffering. And I pray, God, that we would not forget your goodness, that everything you do, you do out of love. And I pray, God, that as we remember that you do everything out of love, that we would remember that everyone needs your love. And I pray, God, that you would use us to be people who are out revealing to others just how much someone cares for them. Help them to find the joy of life that comes from knowing you. Use us, God, to be your servants, not because we're programmed to and made to, but because we cannot get over how much you love us, and we want others to love you that much as well. Thank you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.